Some stories are so good that we simply need to share them twice. Here's another one of our favorite Carte Blanche the Podcast episodes. Enjoy. We rely on them to patrol our borders, protect us from local and foreign threats, and help out when natural disasters strike. But thinly spread and underfunded, our military is buckling under the pressure. Derek Watts looks at the dire state of the South African National Defence Force. In August 2013, South African soldiers deployed as peacekeepers in the Democratic Republic of Congo were involved in ongoing skirmishes with a hostile rebel group known as M23. They were part of a United Nations brigade mandated to meet force with force and drive the rebels from the notoriously volatile east of the country. During a fierce three-day battle, a South African Special Forces sniper shot and killed a rebel commander at an astonishing distance of 2,125 meters. That's more than two kilometers. At the time, it was the sixth longest confirmed sniper kill in history and another boost to the SANDF's growing reputation in the DRC as a skilled combat force. Just short of a decade later, that reputation is being eroded, not by complacency or a sudden drop-off in skills, but because of a lack of money. Simply put, the SANDF, heavily relied upon to keep civilians both here and elsewhere in Africa safe, is being strangled by a shrinking budget and, according to many, no longer fit for purpose. For the Defence Force to fulfil their mandate of safeguarding the nation, they need the equipment to do so. But unfortunately, the current reality is a rather sad state of affairs. The force consists of roughly 73,000 personnel divided into four divisions. The South African Army, Navy, Air Force and Military Health Service. It's their job to safeguard our borders, patrol our shores and assist with domestic threats. Respected defense analyst Helmut Heitman says as government's defense budget dwindled, maintenance lapsed on vital equipment such as our Swedish-made Gripen fighter jets. The entire Gripen fleet is grounded because they haven't signed the support contract with Saab. Our fleet of Oryx helicopters, meanwhile, have suffered from the demise of state arms manufacturer Denel. Um, of the Oryx fleet, about half are not serviceable because of the problems at Denel, and the Air Force hasn't had money to pay Denel either. In fact, the Defence Forces Acquisitions Agency Arms Corps recently admitted that fewer than a quarter of the Air Force's fleet was serviceable, meaning usable, with only 46 of 217 aircraft making the cut. And the picture isn't any rosier in the Navy. Out of four frigates, you say only one is operational? At the moment. Look, the thing is, a frigate, a warship's a complex beast, more so than, say, a box boat. Of the four frigates, which we got, we're trying out roughly 20 plus years in service. Only one has undergone a refit, and that's only on the ship systems, not on the combat systems. Our frigates have in the past been used successfully to curb piracy in the Mozambican Channel and patrol our coastlines, but three of them are currently in dry dock. So they are still running with their 20 plus year old radars. 
No, sorry, military radars after 20 years are no longer what you might call cutting edge or anywhere near it. But what about our three submarines? Surely they're operational? Of the submarines, only one has been refitted fully. And again, only the ship systems. It's highly unlikely that we will face a conventional warfare threat to our country in the near future. But rampant crime, domestic instability, and even natural disasters pose a significant threat to the state. So is it time to rethink the SANDF? Defense Minister Tandi Modise believes it is. But maintaining a combat-ready and nimble force takes money. And right now, she says our military is being thinly spread. And I state this with a very heavy heart. We are willing, but we lack resources. Chairperson, unless there is a significant and quick intervention, our cabos will remain bare. So there's the dilemma. The defense minister has been tasked with bringing about sweeping changes in the force. But even now, she says she hasn't got the budget to do it. Enter General Ruzani Mapwanya, defense force chief. Your insurance for you to be able to say you will go to bed and sleep and have a dream of a better South Africa and not a nightmare. That's a defense force. Appointed by President Cyril Ramaphosa last year and, like the minister, tasked with breathing life into a defense force suffocating from a lack of funding. The world over, the defense force is supposed to be at about 2% of the GDP. But uh, our budget throughout the years had gone down such that uh, we are currently operating with a budget that is below 1% of the GDP. For comparison, Egypt, which has the largest military in Africa, spends about 2.4% of its gross domestic product on defense, according to the World Bank. So, says General Mapwanya, it's time for a rethink. Because what I had been doing previously, is it still relevant in today's world? Not according to military sociologist, Professor Lindy Heineken. I would definitely look at training and preparing the, the defense force for more constabulary roles. These are roles that equip them with the ability to interact and to protect citizens more effectively, not as a primary goal for warfare. In other words, a force more concerned with people's welfare than with combat. It's something the SANDF has already been doing, like curbing gang violence in the Cape Flats or assisting in flood relief. Under a new plan to redesign the force, it may be something they do more and more efficiently. We have now, with the new force design, started positioning ourselves such that we should be able to respond quicker to issues pertaining to any form of threat that is internal. But will this new design, a smaller, nimbler military, square with our government's other ambitions? Will it continue to be pulled in several directions at the same time? 
President Ramaphosa has extended by another year the SANDF's deployment in Mozambique, where it's helping fight insurgents in the Cabo Delgado region. Could we say the government is expecting too much from the defense force uh, for what it's paying? Most certainly, most certainly. And uh, the president is very keen on always deploy the South African National Defense Force. You know, the 1,000, uh, over 1,000 now to the DRC, the 1,495 now to the Cabo Delgado in the Mozambique. Kobus Maria is the DA's shadow minister for defense and says the Mozambique mission will cost an extra 2.8 billion rands. Money that wasn't budgeted for. If you authorize deployment over and above that was part of the planning and the budget process, you have to provide additional funding. Otherwise, it is stealing from Peter to pay Paul, and that is just uh, uh, exacerbating the, the spiraling down of the capabilities of the Defence Force. And yet there's at least good reason to maintain the foreign deployments, tight as money is. Despite what many believe about the Defence Force on performance standards alone, it remains a respected fighting force. In the DRC, for example, it enjoys a fierce reputation. Two different Monosco commanders have said the only battalion they'd be prepared to go to war with is a South African one. They've said that over a couple of years now. That's good news for the DRC, but what about threats closer to home? If a hostile aircraft entered South African airspace, how could we respond? Well, if the Gripen's are operational, we can, but while they aren't, we can't. The other thing is our radar coverage is a bit limited. But at this stage, if you, you detect it coming in, say, right, there's an unidentified aircraft yeah. coming in, and the Air Force will said, uh, sorry, oops. But hope is on the horizon. I want to uh, tell you something that will make uh, you to go to bed and sleep at least at ease. As he and his team hammer out a new budget and structure for the Defence Force, General Mapuania says a deal has been struck with Saab, the manufacturers of the Gripen fighter jets that'll get them back in the air and keep them there. And they're working on getting more choppers off the ground as well. We have moved out of the box in terms of acquiring space for our Oryx and Rayfalk. In times of peace, it's often difficult to justify spending money much needed elsewhere on the defense of the country. And it remains to be seen whether the new hands on deck will eventually convince Cabinet to increase their budget. Some hard decisions will need to be taken as to what is our priorities. It's like an insurance policy. You need to decide, um, you know, what insurance are you going to let go and what is the most important that you need to maintain. The way forward will be a difficult balancing act. While the Defence Force is fighting for its life, its expertise is becoming increasingly important in an ever-changing world. Despite everything, the underfunding, and let's be honest, there have been some senior appointments that are very strange. I can only be explained politically. And they were done over the heads of the chief and the minister in some cases. That I happen to know. But despite that, every time a new job gets tossed at the Defence Force, they somehow come to the party, pull it, grab it out of the hat and do the job. And usually they do it quite well. It's a recurring narrative. 
ours is a defense force with planes that don't fly, ships that don't sail, and soldiers who couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag. But look a little closer and you'll find a largely dedicated force increasingly asked to do things they simply don't have enough money to do. Perhaps it's time to rethink what we expect of our military and what it should look like. Thank you for listening. For more episodes, be sure to subscribe to Carte Blanche, the podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. While you're at it, why not rate and review us? We love hearing from our listeners.